0: Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi everyone, John Paul here. Um, in this week's episode, I really want to talk to you about something that's quite close to my heart in terms of, I see a lot of people that I work with, a lot of friends, a lot of competitors complain that they haven't got enough time, Compl- complain that they didn't get things done, complain that they didn't know how to do it, et etc. et cetera. So the title of this podcast is how to get shit done, right? Don't apologize for the, for the swearing in it because that's just me, but there's a lot of people need to understand how to get things done to progress themselves, to progress their business. And there's six things I really want to talk about, right? Because I think if you get these things in a mindset shift, uh, implement them into your, your daily routines, then I guarantee that you will get shit done in your business and in your life. Because again, one of the biggest things is I didn't have time. I didn't know how to do it. And some of the sort of BS excuses of why they couldn't get shit done. So the first thing is in business and in life, you need to know what what you need to do. Right, And there's, there's various things you can do with that. And it sounds a little bit of a paradox then. Well, well, how can I do it if I don't know what I need to do? Exactly. So I'm a big, big believer in lists. Um, granted, I'll admit it's it's very much old-fashioned where I like writing them down, but there's just something about being able to write down a list that for me makes it feel a bit more emotionally connected and, and a bit more real. I know there's some great apps out there, great software, Evernote, for example, which I'm trying to use. I'm just not using it as uh, as efficiently as I could and should do. Um, But the first thing is you need to write down the list of what you need to do. Now, that's not it. That's not the final version. That's just a list. So, for example, every morning, you know, I get up really, really early. I'm up at half, four, five every single day. Now to a point where I just naturally wake up. I don't don't need an alarm. Um, Get up, quick shower, change, and off to Costa. And I'm there for about five o'clock, five past five, normally as the guys guys are opening up. Um, Get myself a little macchiato, sit down. And I write a list of what I've got to do that day. Now, nine times out of 10, I've got a very good understanding of what I'm going to do anyway, because I always do my Sunday preparation, you know, a couple of days before on the Sunday. So I know all the big things that I've got to do for the week. I know the meetings, I know all the prep work, strategy, the research, the reading, gym time, everything like that. I've got that all down. But sometimes it's just little things that you need to do. Answer this email. Don't forget to check that order this, do that, ask this person for advice, email that person. So those are the types of things that I do on a, on a, on a morning, and it takes me a minute, minute and a half to do. I then take a, take another minute, and I'll look through the list, and I'll put it in importance, because the majority of people, when we make a list, will write the list with the easiest at the top, or the most memorable at the top, and that's not necessarily the correct way to have that list. The correct way to have the list is have the most urgent and most important at the top, and the least urgent the least important at the bottom. What we tend to do is, as I said, put the quick wins at the top, press this, do that, quickly email that person, delete this, forward that. Those those take seconds. Put the stuff at the very, very top that you need to do that most urgent. Now, obviously those are tiny little examples of emails and calls and et etc. et cetera. But if you're running a business, it could be a little bit more. Recruit. Um, you've got a performance manage. You've got to talk to this accountant about something. You've got to talk to your solicitor about that. It could be bigger, more beneficial um, things that you need to do. But the, the, the theory and the principle is the same, that you make a list and then you, you do another list and the most important, most urgent things are at the top. If you can't do the things that you, you, you've wrote on the list, then you need to find the expertise and the technical talent and ability to do those things and carry those tasks. So, for example, um, we've recently changed from Sage, which is an accounting software for for majority of our businesses, all across to Zero, and it was a huge, huge thing. and And because I run Zero and my my um, training and consultancy business, I understand it and I know it's an absolute fantastic piece of kit. And it's got, you know, it integrates with a of other software. But to change a change, a you know, a multi million pound business like we've got on the estate agency side to Zero was well out of my scope of my expertise. And plus, to be honest, I've done an incredibly poor job at it. So even though um, the to-do list, it was very, very top top of that list. It was a quick email to a, a guy that we know, um, James Grew. If anybody's listening, he's a fantastic guy in Zero, and he's come in and he's absolutely just smashed it out the park, and he's done it inside two to three weeks for you know a, quite a large business with a lot of transactions. So we found the expertise. So that's how I got shit done in that regard. We know what we needed to do. We made a list, we put it at the top because it was urgent and it was important, and then we 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 sort of uh, delegated that to somebody else to do. The second thing is I want to say that getting shit done is not linear. You can do several things at once. So it's not as if you have to do this one thing, then you get to the finish line, then you do another thing, and then you do another thing, then another thing. An example of this is some of the people that we work with, and we look at their businesses, and we try to implement the agency roadmap. So that's for those of you who are new to the podcast, those are the nine things that if you put in your business, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you will have a damn good business. So one of them might be uh, KPIs. Another could be financial management. Another one could be systems and processes and procedures. Now, you don't do all the systems, then you do the KPIs, and then you do the financial management. The first thing that we always look at is the values of the person running and operating the business, the, the business owner, the leader. At the same time, um, I like to look at the financial management because the majority of the financial management, i.e. your pay and your balance sheet, your cash flows, the business owner or leader is not going to do. We're going to su- uh, subcontract that out and delegate that to a very good bookkeeper or an accountant. So whilst at the same time we can be working on the values, we can be working on the financial management, which frees us up to potentially look at something else. It could look at the management systems or training and development. So getting shit done doesn't mean it's linear. It doesn't mean you do one thing, then another, then another. You can have two, three, possibly four things on the go at any one time. My personal preference is I don't like to have any more than three big projects on the go at one time. Ideally, two. But three is is a is a maximum. So for example, we're in talks with quite a large uh, state agency. Um I've also got some, some big stuff going on within the business. Um, and then I've got some stuff going on with the training consultancy arm with that. So we've got three big projects. Now, if all three took off at the same time, I would be absolutely to the max of my capabilities, resource-wise and logistics-wise. But what I've done is I've carefully mapped out that there's a big estate agency, then there's big rent-to-own thing that we've got on, and plus what I've got going on in the consultancy, I think there's going to be a good couple of months or leeway in between them. So for instance, the rent to one is going to be a a six-months-to-a-year lag. The state agency is going to be probably three months to six months. The consultancy is now to about six months. So as you can see, everything is roughly going to be, at any one time, if it all kicks off, there's only going to be hopefully two things at the the same time. And even if something is pulled back and all three happen, then the first one might actually be finishing a lot quicker, and thus to hopefully free me up to to be able to do the two at any one time. The third thing is you need to be disciplined. You need to be absolutely precise in everything you do and do not waste any time. Being efficient and effective in time management is probably the biggest skill that a business owner and business leader should and could have. That and and communication skills as well. So how do you become better at it? Well, firstly, you need to diarise everything. Literally down to 15 minutes. So I have in... uh, Every Monday morning, I do this podcast and I'll put in about an hour. Now it only takes me 10, 15, 20 minutes to record it. it. takes me five to 10 minutes to upload it and get it, get it off to the editors. But I've got a good half an hour where I've got 10, 15 minutes either side, just setting up my equipment, just chilling out, going over my notes. Because again, I, I diarise at least an hour to research whatever I'm going to talk about. Now, in the main, it it pretty much comes off the cuff because I've been living, breathing this stuff for years and years and years, but I still like to put an hour aside to be able to research stuff. Now, if I get it done in 15, 20 minutes, then I've gained back three quarters of an hour, and that's cool. I can put in some other sort of uh, strategies or tactics that I can use research-wise in the in the the spare 45 minutes, but the point is I've diarized that, that hour to be able to research for the podcast. So everything in my diary, everything in my business life is diarized. And what that allows me to do is is set expectations as well. So if anybody wants a phone call, I'll say, well, I can fit you in between this time and this time. I've got 15 minutes. I've got 10 minutes. When I speak to people, I say to them, you know, hi, how are you doing? We've got 15 minutes. How can I help? So it's very precise, straight to the point. There's no messing around. Because time is one thing that no matter how good you are, you cannot get any more of. Now, it sounds very cliche, um, and I do appreciate that, but it's absolutely true. You need to have the same amount, you've got the same amount of time as everybody else. So people, and people don't respect that as much as what you like to think. People want to connect with you, and that means chatting shit and talking 10, 15, 20 minutes about the weather or about your favourite football team because they want to connect with you. And it's not being rude by saying, look, uh, John, I've only got 15 minutes, how can I help? It's just been very efficient and precise with it. Now, I read in one of Donald Trump's books that he has got he diarises 15 minutes per call, per meeting, or whatever. Now, you can have multiple chunks of those meetings. So you can have half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. But if it's two hours, then it's eight, lots of 15. But what he does is he says 15 minutes per meeting, per um, interaction, if you like. And I quite like that. I don't like Trump, but I do quite like his theory on that. Because I think what it does is it, it sets those expectations with you with people you're dealing with, and it will make you a lot more efficient. I also note and write everything down. I've got these lovely little diaries, little paper blanks. um, And again, for you tech geeks and IT geeks out there, I apologize. I am trying to go a little bit more tech on this, but again, it's just something about having, you know, a lovely diary, it's smelling notebook and you, you write things down I feel a lot more connected to it. And I've got them up on my shelf. I'm just looking at them now in my home office. And I've got stickers on them to see what they are, and they're all, they're all tagged up and stuff. So, for instance, when we've bought um, businesses before, I'll have one dedicated to that. Again, I've got all the, um, the P&Ls and the cash flows and the due diligence stored in the cloud, but all the day-to-day interactions of he said this, she said that, we were going to do this, this never happened, that never happened, that's all noted down in my diary. So again, by noting things down in the diary, I can go back to it. And I do, on a monthly basis, go back to my previous month to see what went well and what didn't go well. Effectively, I'm auditing my month. And by doing that, I can see Mm. what I can improve on. So the fourth thing is you've got to be realistic. You can't do everything, guys. Literally, do not try and take things on that you're not technically good enough to do and that you don't really, really, really enjoy it. Now, there is a caveat on that. Now, sometimes you need to do things you don't enjoy. But when you get to a point where you can delegate it or you can subcontract it out, then I highly recommend that you do. When we first started off this state agency, I had to write the systems. Now, I absolutely detest writing systems and procedures. And everybody thinks I am Mr. Systems and I I write them and, you know, I can just click my fingers and, you know, they're all written. Couldn't be further from the truth. The point is I had to just knuckle down. And just get on with it. And I have to just write all the processes and the procedures. And I, I absolutely do not like the detailed stuff. I am not a detailed person. I'm very much a leader. Very much a running, keep going forwards type of person. But my MD, Adele, is very detailed. And the running joke is that while I'm running forward, she's got a brush and she's sweeping up the mess as I, as I leave a trail be, behind me. Um, but we all find our niches in, in business and we find our niches in life. But... I know I'm not the best at certain things. I know I'm very good at some things and I know I'm not so good at other things. So what I try and do is, is balance that with, if I'm trying to come up with something that I'm not very good at, is try and bring along the expertise and technical ability who are better than me at that. So an example is, when we're going to look at a business to acquire, I know I'm very good at making relationships and I'm good at communicator, sort of the strategy and, and negotiate and all that sort of high-end, top-level type of stuff. But when it comes down to the due diligence, I know what to do. I know what we need to look for. I know what questions to ask. I'm just not that interested in it. And if I'm not interested in it, then I'm not going to do the best job I possibly can. Now, if I didn't have the size of the business I do have, I would have to do it. And I have done that on several occasions when we bought other businesses. But when I'm fortunate enough to employ people to do that for me, then I've got to be realistic and say they are better than me at that particular aspect. I'm going to let them do it. So also, I need to talk that not everything is going to go to plan when you do, do um, when you're being realistic. And you, you, things are going to mess up, and people aren't going to do what they're meant to do, and things aren't going to happen. Again, we've had loads of um, issues with businesses, and we got right through to um, one particular business we we're going to buy. And one of the questions was um, Have you ever gone bust before? Have you got a liquidation administration? And it was categorically written, no, we haven't. Um, and then all of a sudden, we found out they had gone um, bust quite a few times in, the, in, in quite recent events. So, things like that threw a massive curveball. Um, do we pull out? Do we offer less? Do we take a risk? Do we change from buying how we buy in the business? Um, so, you've got to just sort of be quite pragmatic about things and you've got to think off the, uh, think off the cuff a little bit. But also at the same time, everything in business is a risk. It's about a calculated risk. And you've got to take all the information and say, right, is it worth proceeding with? Is it not? How do we tailor this to our advantage? Um, So again, you've got to be realistic. You can't do everything, but also be mindful that not everything's going to go to plan. Just effing do it, as Nike said, the, the, the rated R version. is just get stuff implemented. So how you get shit done is you just do it, right? Don't mess around. You, that doesn't mean like reckless abandonment and just go head, head first into things, but you've just got to put it down and you've just got to get it implemented. And as the previous point stated, things will go wrong. Accept it, move on. But what you can't do is when things go wrong, say, right, that's it. I'm not doing that again. It's rubbish, it's just not going to work for me. On top of that, if people do things wrong and if people mess up and screw up, you can't just pull that back and say, right, I'm going to do that. I'm holding that back. Thanks, Fred, thanks Sarah. I'm going to do that from now on. That is the entrepreneur's curse, right? There's many curses in entrepreneur, but one of them is when things go wrong, you pull that action off that person you delegated it to and you try and hold it back and you do it yourself. That is counterintuitive because the more and more you take on, the less and less you can do moving forward. You have to accept that things are going to go wrong when you delegate to people, right? And do not let that put you off by just doing things. You need to do it, try it, test it, and tweak them, Tweak what you're doing. Nobody has, in the history of being a success at anything, has succeeded on the first time and never failed thereafter. It does not happen. But what people do is they feel afraid, they feel scared, that if they're going to do it, they're going to make a mistake and they're going to feel foolish, they're going to lose money, and they're not going to want to do it again. You will lose money in business. You will mess up. You will not get onto the team. You will miss that goal. You will miss that try. You will probably get knocked on your ass if you're boxing or you're doing some sort of combat martial art. But you have to just effing do it. Not doing it guarantees failure. Just effing doing it, you've got a good chance of succeeding. And the last thing is do not be a martyr, right? There's three things you can do. By, and what I mean by a martyr is, just saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. It doesn't work like that. Business people and leaders need to delegate. You cannot do everything. And there's three things. You can eliminate it. You can eliminate the task, the process. It's not good enough. It's not going to work. We don't need to do it. Are we doing it when it's not necessary? You can automate it, and that's using software or IT or internally. And the third thing is you can delegate it. Now, that means you can delegate it to your current staff, or you can delegate it outside and you can outsource it to to contractors. Now I'm a massive believer in trying to get rid of it first. Do you need to do it? Automate it second. And then the third one is delegate. So eliminate. So for example, do we need that process here? Can we, can we skip it? Is it outdated? Can we merge it into something else? So when we wrote our operations manual, we have three major forms or processes when we took on a property for let, right? The first one was all about the property. The second one was all about the landlord and all the information we needed about the landlord. And the third one was all about the tenant. So we looked at it and it was like six pages between all three. And we thought, bloody hell, this is, this is a lot to carry out. And the reason we thought that was that when we were auditing that file on, on a monthly basis, we're finding that a few of the little things were getting missed, nothing legal, nothing major, but they were forgetting to get somebody else to sign it. Or they were forgetting to have this bit of paper, in, or it wasn't dated, or they forgot this. It, was, it wasn't it was great. So after looking at it and looking at it, and basically reviewing the whole process, we said, well, listen, I think it was seven pages. Let's see if we can shrink it. Do we actually need all that information? And it turned out we didn't really need it all. There was, there was a couple of things that were absolutely critical we needed. It was a legal obligation, um, compliance-wise. And there was a couple of things that we thought, no, I think we're just doing it just to try and try and get as much information as we can it's it's not actually useful, and we're not using it. We also merged the two the the landlord and we merged the property documents or forms into one, so they were four pages and they went down to two and then the 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 other page was three, three and we merged that down to two so we went from seven pages down to four four forms or four four pages, so that immediately had a positive effect on the information that we're putting on. The staff felt great because they weren't just filling in for filling's sake. When we audited it, the the it was better. The actual content was was um, uh, more correct. When we audited it, it, was You know, it was great. It was, it was passing. So it was a win-win for everybody. So we had a look at it and we eliminated it. Automation. Use a uh, a company called PayProp who do all our payments for us. So that's all automated now. And even though we've only had it in across all the branches for about three or four weeks now, we've got a 40% time-saving efficiency, 40% in only three weeks. Now we do think that once we get um, properly implemented in all the teething issues, because there is with every little bit of software, we think we're gonna have about an 80 to 85% efficiency saving based on um, our current, uh, what we've done a time-motion analysis on on what our staff are spending now on paying the landlords Tenants, its uh, contracts, etc. So, what we're going to do when it's actually fully eliminated, and then delegation. We've mentioned it before about getting somebody else in the organisation to do it, trying to get somebody else outside the organisation to do it. So, for instance, if uh, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm looking to sell my business, or can you help me with this, or whatever. First thing I'll do is I'll say, All right, well, can you send me a bit more detail about what you're looking for? They do, and I'll say, great. I'm not the best person to speak about this. I'll delegate it to Fred. Joe, Sarah, Joanne, whoever. But so it's all about getting somebody else who is better, has more time, um, has more skills and ability in that particular area to do it for you. So a quick recap, how to get shit done. Know what you need to do. It's not linear. You can do more than one thing at once. Be disciplined. You need to diarise everything, 15 minutes. Be realistic. You can't do everything and you're not everything's going to go to plan. So just accept it. Just effing do it. Don't procrastinate. Just get stuff done. Get it implemented. Test it. Tweak it. And keep going. And then last, the last thing is, don't be a martyr. Eliminate, automate, delegate. Hope that's been useful. And I'll see you next time on Leadership Revealed.